Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lord, we thank you for allowing us in your presence again this evening. Tonight, Lord, we'd like to talk about two more miracles of Elijah. Elisha. Uh, in 2 Kings 4, 38 to 41, the purifying of the pot is two. And... In 2 Kings 4, 42 to 44, the feeding of the hundred men. Lord, we've talked about these many times in the past. But what I'd like to focus on tonight is that we need to look at these and consider how the words of God are important. How do we begin to do them? These are more what you'd call basic uh, ways of the words for these end times. It's very important for us to understand how to begin doing the words when we begin to understand there are words of God that do enable good promises. So I'd like to talk about that tonight. I'd like to talk about... um, you know, the law of knowledge and how to begin to just begin to uh, seek you to get understanding of the words. As we know in Proverbs 1, 20 to 23, that if we will hear the words that your spirit of wisdom is calling out, that indeed you will pour out your spirit upon us and cause us to know your words. So it verifies there are words. In other words, there's something we need to hear. And once we hear it, you begin to enable us to grow into this knowledge, what you call the knowledge of truth in John seventeen seventeen. And you told us through Paul that you desire that we are saved and that we all come to the knowledge of truth which you identify in John seventeen seventeen as being the words that are from God. In other words, words that are set apart with higher meanings, higher understanding. It's not some elite. It's open to even children. It's open to all who will hear his words and receive the Spirit of truth. In other words, seek you, ask you to pour out the Spirit upon them and enable them to hear your words. But you will not give your words into an unholy vessel. So that's something we need to keep into our minds. Now let's look at Second Kings 4, 38 to 41. Elisha, and again, remember, that means salvation of God. And he returned from Gilgal. Gilgal is the place of the wheel of rolling heap. It is the way of the words at the beginning of judgment. 
because you know that uh, in in that area, um, it, it's a place of um, the uh, judging. It's a wheel means the fullness of the scriptures, the fullness of the revealing. I remember the there's a wheel within a wheel, as you'd say. Now, let's go on to the important thing, because we could get lost in these meanings. It doesn't really mean anything to the message I'm trying to make tonight. What I'm saying is, at that time, there was a famine in the land, and there were prophets that had come to learn the way of the teaching of the words. In other words, they wanted to learn the words. And this is what many people today are beginning to understand or hear that there are words of God. And they're asking the question to themselves, how do I understand this? How do I begin to be a doer of the words? And this is what these prophets were sitting before him. Now, they had a little bit more knowledge in those days of the words of God than we do now. That knowledge has been lost as it was said in Matthew 21, 43 to 44, the words were taken away from them. And back in Second Kings, remember this was before Babylon, and in Babylon, the words were closed in Daniel 12, 4, and they weren't open again until the time of the Lord and the beginning of his ministry. And then he spoke of it and bore witness to it in accordance to the work of the Messiah, Deuteronomy 18, 18, 19. And they didn't receive the knowledge of truth, which he identified in John seventeen seventeen as being the words of God. And he tells us in John eighteen thirty seven that he was sent into the world to bear witness to the truth. And in John seventeen seventeen, that he tells us that his truth that he's talking about is God's words. And that is the knowledge of truth. He said in Psalms one nineteen one thirty, David teaches us at the entrance of the words of God that Jesus was given, which is the inheritance of all of us, that the entrance of those words gives light. And we are identified in First John 1, 5, that God is light. And Jesus tells it his words are spirit and they're a life, John 6, 63. And he tells us, uh, John four twenty three twenty four that God is spirit and he desires all men to come to the knowledge of truth. The words of God have the full measure of the Holy Spirit of God within them, John three thirty four. They never come with anything else, so it shows you that they are different than the words of the world, because even the people of the world can speak the words of your language. Even the, read the scriptures. Many of the people of the world who work with the harlot and follow after the harlot speak the scriptures. He even had like the presidential prayer breakfast with all kinds of pagan worship or uh, misguided worship, let's say. And that is not of God's words. They're set apart and made holy and unlawful for the people of the world to speak them. As it says in Second Corinthians twelve one to four, and John fourteen fifteen to seventeen, also testifies of this because it's the Spirit of Truth that causes to know His words, but it cannot enter those who are not set apart from the world by His words, 
as it says in John seventeen seventeen. So we know we have a problem. We need to first understand that there are holy words, and then we need to come and seek the Lord to have these words revealed to us. He has provided people at this time, a few, who've received these words of wisdom and are able to speak them. But the truth is, God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, will make them known to you, as he says in Proverbs one twenty three, if you will seek them. He always has the words in the world because they're in the heavens planted there from day four. Okay, they're in the firmament, as it says in day four. He put the lights in the firmament, and then he put the sun and the moon and the stars and so forth. Okay, um, now that we have that little uh, understanding, Let's look at an example of the words, as he says here in Second Kings 4, 38 to 41. He tells the people there was a famine in the land. In other words, a lack of food. And, and there's a lack of food coming because there's a world war about to explode on the earth and there will be little food. So this is important for us to understand because it is your source of food, not FEMA camps, not GMO-laced food that destroys your nutritional value. And heaven knows what they have else put in the food that they're going to feed the people. Because it's the desire of the world leaders to reduce the population by 7 billion. So it's better for you to rely on God because the God says that even where the weeds and the thistles grow, he will cause it to turn into fruit. And he can do this overnight. He'll bring it for his for his people. So he said to his servant, and um, this is verse 38, I believe. And he says, put on the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophet. So one went out into the field to gather herbs, and he found a wild vine and gathered it from a lap full of wild gourds and came and sliced them into the pot of stew, though they did not know what they were. Then they served it to the men to eat, and now it happened as they were eating the stew that they cried out and said, Man of God, there is death in this pot, and they could not eat it. Then bring some flour. So he said, then bring some flour. And he put it into the pot and said, serve it to the people that they may eat. And there was nothing harmful in the pot. I've explained this parable or this great miracle many times. It is reflecting this very time that I've just talked to you about. Because we are told in Revelation 12 that we must come out of the world and come out into the wilderness. And a wilderness is out of the city, out of the way of the peoples of the nations. And when God calls us to come out, we must go. And we must believe because he's the son of God, the Lord of lords, king of kings, that he will provide as he says he will. He says, because when he rises in the morning, he says he will be like the son of righteousness in Malachi 4.2. And he says the people will go out 
and they will eat like stall-fed calves. So we know this promise is true that whatever God leads us to, that we will be able to eat and we will be safe if we have and if we are like these prophets seeking the word of God and trusting in him. He didn't say, you're killing us. You're a fool. This is not good. We should not have done this. Nobody said that. They trusted the man of God to correct the situation. And he knew the words and knows the times and knows the promise of God. So what did he do? He said, bring some flour. So what is this time we're living in today? Daniel 12, 9 to 10 has a promise. The promise is that many in this day shall be purified, shall be made white, and shall be refined. White flour. White flour is refined flour. It's symbolic of the refinement. It's symbolic of his promise that we will be fed by stall-fed calves, that if we come out to the wilderness where he tells us to go, then he will do these things. You don't tempt God, but if the Lord has guided us and brought us out, then you can see that taking a handful of flour and putting it into the stew is very wise. Because it's symbolic and pointing to the refinement that God is going to give us at this time when he pours out the full measure of the seven spirits and he promises us that we shall live and not die. He tells us in John five twenty four, if we will hear his voice, which means discern the words of God that he was sent into the world to bear witness to. And believe on the promises of God that those words would spoken or done before the Lord will do what he says it will do. Other words, he says, we will have eternal life and we'll pass through these judgments. So it means that we'll pass through these judgments means we'll be set aside with those who are going to eat of the great supper, they'll be in the refinement time, like it says in Revelation 19, 1 to 11. See, God controls all particles. He controls all toxins. He controls all good, healthy vitamins, herbs, and so on. He told them to put herbs in the pot. And so the commandment was... Herbs is for the service of men. God made them for that purpose. The guy brought something not of the herbs unintentionally. Wasn't testing God. Was unintentional. He saw it, thought it was good, didn't know any better. And he brought it in and he put it in. And there's what happened. But God was saying, he told them, the instruction was put herbs. He didn't say which one. And so he fulfilled the word for these times. And uh, Elisha knew that with the refinement, which is what the work of this herb is supposed to do, even the evil will be turned to good. This is a time where God is going to forgive our sins. He's going to forgive the work that we've done. For example, 
the people making the foods today with GMO is destroying the health of the people. Those giving vaccinations are killing the people and causing diseases, and they know better if they understand at all the truth of the government, which is the FDA was created to destroy the nutritional value of the food, and the harlot is planning on creating and is creating, as it says in Ezekiel 38, a way to come forth to kill all flesh, Matthew 24, 21, 22, Mark uh, 13, uh, 19 to 20, and Daniel eleven forty-five. So we see this evil working, and we are participants. We go to the grocery store. We go to fast food places. We go all these places where the food is killing us. And there's many people serving this. There's many people teaching school lessons that are dumbed down and that are, in fact, lies that don't agree with the scriptures. So we have all these errors, and all of them are bringing forth death, which comes with false knowledge. Because the Lord said he wanted us to be saved and come to knowledge of truth. That's not truth. So we need to understand this. The truth that God desires us to receive is what Jesus said in John seventeen seventeen is required of us to receive in this day. And so if we see this miracle and if we understand what's about to happen on the earth, because the Lord is about to reign for seven years, but before that, he's going to judge this fifth beast kingdom and he's going to destroy it as he says in Daniel seven eleven to 12, and he's going to take dominion away from them. It's already been called out and ruled by God. They have no right of dominion. Uh, Revelation 18, 1 to 4, and Isaiah uh, 21, 1 to 12. So you can see, because of the law of Romans 13, that we're only allowed to serve those who have the authority of God to rule. And these rulers, these presidents, these leaders do not have authority of God to rule. We are required at this time to fulfill Daniel 9, 24 and the law of the parents, the law of the leaders. It's described in Deuteronomy 6, uh, 1 to 9, and Deuteronomy 11, 18 to 21. And we'll look at that in a second. It says in 2 Kings 4, 42 to 44, Elisha feeds 100 men. This is important for us. It says a man came from Baal-Shalisha, this name means that God presides over three, the third idol. What we're really talking about is the way of three, which is understanding. The third spirit of God is that the, there will be understanding. And when you do these things, when you think about the number three, when somebody brings this blessing like this, it's very interesting. Let's talk about the blessing and then we'll talk about the number three. It says, and brought the man of God. Oh, wait a minute. Let, let's go back and start the beginning because I said so much. The man, then a man came from Baal-Shalisha and brought the man of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley bread, and newly ripened grain in his knapsack. And he said, give it to the people that they may eat. But his servant said, what? 
Shall I set this before 100 men? And he said again, Give it to the people that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, They shall eat and have some left over. So he set it before them, and they ate and had some left over according to the word of the Lord. Now, this is important. We're talking about the barley grain, which is the beginning of the first fruits. And this is talking about the time of Nisan, the time when we're coming into this period of the Sabbath of the seven-year reign of the Lord, because it starts in an April time frame, or it starts with a Nisan. And this is a critical time because it means that he reigns. And it tells us and gives us the understanding because it is, because in Malachi 3.6, he says he never changes his way. We know that the famine's going to be on the land because a war is going to be before this with the separation judgment. It's coming. And it may be that the war is during this time also. We don't know, but we know that God is going to judge these people. A separation judgment comes in the night, and the night will end with a winter season. And the morning will come with the seven-year reign of Christ. We can see this indication in Daniel 7.12 where he teaches us that he's going to destroy this beast kingdom and they will lose their dominion for a season in time. And the season begins very clearly. The winter season, as he tells us, indicates to us in Matthew 20 and Mark 13.18. Tells, tells us about the winter. He tells us again about the night in Isaiah 21, 10 to 12, Luke 17, 34, and John 9, 4 to 5. So we know that that is when the separation judgment is. It's in the night. And a night we know is seven years. I've explained that many times, how to figure that from the book of Revelation. It's very clear. So we have here, he sets before a hundred men. The number a hundred is the number of my king. Now, why is that important? Because at that time of the beginning of the morning of the day of the Lord, the only king is Jesus Christ. All the kings of the world have lost the right of dominion. And as it says in the six-sealed judgment that the kings, the slaves, all of them will suffer in the same way if they are set apart for punishment, they will have the plagues that God is going to give them. And they're going to be suffering before that from their own sins of coming against one another. And many are going to be killed, the Lord tells us in the four-sealed judgment and it seems like one-fourth. Now, I don't know if that's one-fourth of the people getting the plagues uh, or another number, but we know it's of that, uh, in that number. But before that, there's this great war. The war is coming and before the separation judgment. And then, because God, the plagues come upon them. When God reigns for seven years, the first uh, part of that, a time of about a half an hour, there'll be silence from heaven, meaning there's a famine of the word. 
it means that the plagues will be on these people because the wrath of God is coming. Jesus tells us in Proverbs one twenty four to 33 that he will laugh at their calamities and he will not listen to their crying. That's silence from heaven. So we know that's in that time. And he says it's going to be in the time of the king of Israel, the, the king who has governance over all the earth. That's the Lord. He's going to reign from heaven. And he's going to write the words that judge us on each heart and each mind. And the, even the ones that are wicked are going to be punished by his words. Because he says in Zephaniah 3, 9, 3, 8, 9, he's going to separate the world into his two kingdoms, which are light or darkness day or a night. The light, the entrance of his light, gives understanding to the simple. In Psalms 119, 130. They'll be able to understand this. And if we have that in our heart and mind, then he can begin to teach us. But what we're seeing here is that the Lord says again in Malachi 4, 2, they will be fed like stall-fed calves. In the time of the reign of the Lord, he says you will eat and have some left over. So you have the ability to provide what is needed. Then you have the need to do the righteous acts. So provide food in a way of doing his words that glorifies the Lord. That's very important for us at this time. And, you know, he brought the first fruits. And it's very interesting that the Lord is talking in the Bible that he's going to set the people apart like first fruits as he was set apart in the world. It's our time to come out and Passover is very near. And before that, we have Purim coming rapidly. And if you understand Ezekiel 38 and just glance at it, you see that it is a war that is declared for a set time. Remember in verse 4 or so, he says, he put the hook in the jaws of their mouth and in a set time, they're going to come out. That's just like Haman saying, I'm going to kill these people at a certain time. Deuteronomy 11:43 to 45 tells us at a set time he's coming out because he says he's going to hear news from the east, which is from the kingdom of heaven, and news from the north, which is the world. In other words, all things are prepared, and the Lord tells him to come. And he comes to do his evil work because he wants to do evil. And God is allowing him to be judged by the words he's kept. We can understand this marvelous work of the bread multiplying. It fed the people just like we hear of the fishes. What we need to understand is that it's at this time that we must understand because a famine is coming and but those who have the oil and wine, oil is the knowledge of the good work of God that's poured out from heaven. As he tells us with the olive tree in um, the book of Zechariah. Now, also, we should understand that, that in this time, we are able to be set apart into the wine, which is the fullness of the plan of God, because he says he's going to give us everlasting life. He doesn't give us everlasting life unless we understand it. 
So it says he will not touch the oil and wine in the third seal judgment at this time. And what it's meaning is that if you gather the oil, the knowledge of truth, the knowledge of his words, then it will not be touched. Other words, they will not be taken away from you, the knowledge of what you've learned during this time of the famine. And the oil is the knowledge poured out from heaven. And the wine is the knowledge of the eternal plan of God in the way of his eternal life of God. So this is a fixed thing that we can understand if we begin getting the words, they will not die, they will grow because your oil and wine cannot be touched, meaning it also cannot be stopped because it always grows. He says, Daniel twelve four that when knowledge is open of his words, he says, when his words are open, knowledge shall increase. It's a promise of God that if you get the words and begin to study them, you will grow in this time of judgment. Words will continue. And he tells us in 10, uh, Hebrews ten twenty four to 31 that it starts off with in this day especially in this day we are to gather together and stir up love and good works that means we're learning we're increasing we're growing in knowledge of truth which is the opposite of all those set aside for punishment they will not grow as made clear by the lord we should understand that God desires us to have everlasting life. In John 5, 24, the Lord said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. And in this day, we are judged by his words, which means his spirit, as he says in John 66, 63, our spirit and life, which means that they're going to grow. But to those who are cast out in punishment, they're going to grow by seeing the plagues, seeing the frustration, seeing and being reminded of their sins continuously. They're going to put down their stones. They're not going to come against his people anymore because they're going to realize the punishment that will come upon them and is coming upon them from Zechariah fourteen twelve. They will have the plagues. Their arms are going to wither and they're going to fall down. They will not be able to stand before the Lord. Now, there are many things about the words that we should just think of common things. For example, the Lord tells us in John 15, 7, that if we follow him and abide in his way, he walked in the way of the words and was constantly bearing witness to truth, the knowledge of God's words. And if we abide in those words of God, then whatever we desire will be done for us, which means if we abide in those words, we're doing the ways of them, and the promises of God that we desire to see will be done. Because we will know the way to call them forth. We will understand the will. Remember 
that the fourth spirit of God is the counsel of our Lord. He speaks to us after we have set ourselves apart from the world, after we've gained words of wisdom and begin to understand, he begins to speak to us with the fourth spirit. See, the first one was setting apart from the darkness. Second one was gaining in the wisdom of God, which is the words, what they are, what they do. It's a process step. And then the third one is we understand and bear fruit. We understand that they do this. But then what do we do with this knowledge? That's the spirit of counsel. After you begin to do this and you wait on the Lord, he will pour out his spirit on you and begin to show you and provide works for you to do. Remember, Jesus walked on the earth and he said, God brought these people to him. In other words, he was putting him in front of him. He was talking about John seventeen seventeen about the disciples, those who you gave me. See, the Lord knows that everybody's guided by the Spirit, and the Father's desiring all people to come to the knowledge of truth. So the Spirit is constantly calling out, as Jesus identified the work of the Father, is that they that He wants us to hear His voice. Want to believe on him whom he sent. And he came in to speak and to do the actions that show us the ways of enabling these great words. Because the words are a pure language, Zephaniah 3 9, that's only useful to speak to God, to do the way of the words, to enable good works, and to do all things. In other words, the science and the power and the way of the words of God dwarf anything of the world. There's nothing so great. There's nothing so powerful. A spoken word can cause a man's arms to grow immediately. He can cause life to come back in. He can cause a tree to be moved. It can cause a mountain to be moved. But that's the authority of those who speak in the pure language of God by his will that he desires all men to receive. The disciples walked with him three and a half years and did not understand. He kept telling them, where's your faith? Where's your That means hearing of the words, as Paul testifies. He says, faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. But they're not seeking the word. So how can they hear? If we don't desire to seek the Lord, to pour out the knowledge of his words on us, in other words, pour out the spirit of truth and ask him to cause us to be purified enough that the spirit of truth can enter us, which is a little bit of work. It has to do some work on us to get our, the darkness and get us to desire to do all things. See, we haven't come out of the world until we want to do all things in the way of the words and righteousness. Up until that point, we're still in the world. Even I, we've got to come out because that's what the Lord is asking us to do. You know, the Lord paid the price on the cross of his blood, open the temple to us so we can go into the holy holies in heaven and do what? Receive the knowledge of the words of God. You know, it's it's a great thing that he tells us in Revelation 15 
that we're going to be able to do something marvelous, and that is to stand before the Lord with harps <laughs> on a crystal sea. But do you get the understanding of the harp? The harp is something that you see in Psalms 43, 4. It says, Then I will go to the altar of God to my exceeding joy, and on the harp I will praise you, O God, my God. In heaven, it's a crystal sea. You know, the sacrifice is paid by the Lord. The waters is the nations, the languages, and the multitudes. The nations, the peoples, wait a minute, the the nations, the uh, peoples, the uh, multitudes, and um, the languages. In some order like that, it's in Revelation seventeen fifteen. But the great thing is, we're going to be standing on a crystal sea where everything is peace. There's no waves. We're arised above it. That's called walking in the spirit of God, in the presence of God. And what's he saying in Psalms 43, 4? He says, then I will go to the altar of God to my to God my exceeding joy, and on the harp I will praise you, O God, my God. Exactly what he's saying in the testimony of Revelation 15, 1 to 4. And we're going to sing the song of Moses there. But the great thing about this is, see, the way I've explained the word of God is the way of joy. Now, if you're wanting to do the way of the words, the first thing, I think we should do is do this, have joy. That's hard to do. It's very hard because in the morning time, especially, we should wake up with joy first thing. Joy should be on our heart because joy is the way of the Lord. And why is that joy? Because you want, he always makes his words known in the morning. And those words that wash us clean, John fifteen three and Ephesians five twenty five to twenty seven, is what makes us spotless and enabled to stand before the Lord to give praise, which is what we're going to do with the harp. Praise to the Lord, and it's that joy in the morning that we rise up when He makes His words known to us. We're actually testifying to him of our desire to be among those who are going to stand on the crystal sea. That's just a simple way that we could change our lives and start giving joy to God and showing him that we desire to receive his words and not just the words, the spirit of truth in them so we know his words as he says in John 14, 15, 17, and in Psalms 123, uh, Proverbs 123. So that's an understanding that we need to do. See, it, it is important that we understand the work uh, or the meaning of the name and the kingdom of heaven is the work for the kingdom that we're due. And one of our works should be joy because that's symbolic of the way of the Lord, which he shows you in Revelation 15, 1 to 4. You stand before the Lord and praise him as David shows us in joy. So when we do that, we're asking the Lord through the way of doing his words to do what? This is the way of the Lord. It's a way of doing the word way, which means joy. 
and showing him that our desire for him is to teach us his way to enable us to reach that goal of everlasting life, standing before him and overcoming the world, which is what is stated right before that. They overcome the beast, the mark of his image was name, and all that. That's how you overcome it. When you wake up with that joy, you're telling God, I want to know the knowledge of how to enable these great things. So there's a simple way of doing the word way and doing it to, for a meaning that you're communicating to God. He knows your desire. Because the words are a communication language to the Father. There's, there's many, many really good good things and another one that I, I i admit i failed so much is something so simple that you know you don't want to make traditions out of the words because then you've done exactly like the talmud and then all these other things they're good intended but they have changed the law jesus says you've made the law useless and what happened to these people that were doing all these traditions in Matthew 21, 43 to 44, it says he took the kingdom of God away from them because they made the laws useless. They didn't seek. When he came to open the words to them, they killed them. The rabbis didn't want to hear anything about this, and they still don't today. But they better change because the war is coming. Destruction is coming on all the earth, not just Israel. It's going to, you know, it's centered around a religious war because the, the world knows that's truth. They, they're fighting to have the devil take over and they're fighting for him. Jesus said that those in John eight forty three to 47 that do not discern his words because they can't understand his speech because they don't discern his words, their father's the devil. See, it's a war of words. If you if you go to what Jesus says in John twelve forty eight, we're going to be judged by His words. We go to Revelation twelve sixteen to seventeen. It's the dragon's words that are the flood that comes from His mouth. That is the flood of these end times. That's what it's all symbolic of. And it, you know, God's language, as He shows us in the Scriptures, is very symbolic. The very temple and the tabernacle and all of that was made in the ways of things. He put palm trees on the curtains, cherubim, because they teach us something. See, the cherubim is always looking over the earth and causing the words to be fulfilled that are in the heavens. They update them continuously according to the stone fiery stone that's there that's why they they're like fire going back and forth they're making sure that we're blessed if we will turn if not they have to give correction which they do you know and the lord shows us at this time he's going to sweep everything clean by hailstone which is ice water with ice which is water with fire in it it means the burning word the word made alive to ferry out. Other words, it's judgment. That hailstone comes, it's judgment. It's final. It's too late. He wants us to come apart from that. They'll be driven out of the land by hailstone. Some will be killed by hailstone. I was sorry for them, but that's a sad thing. It's coming. This other thing I was telling you about is the fact that we are to do what? We're to enter into the Holy of Holies in heaven. 
And when we enter in the Holy of Holies in heaven, what is a priest required to do? He never changes his ways. If we're going to go in and get holy food, we wash our hands. We wash our hands with water. Wash our hands with water. It doesn't require the soap. If you want to do soap, that's a separate thing. But the water is important because, you know, it doesn't matter what goes in the body necessarily. I mean, there are foods that's important we don't eat because he told us not to. But it's the fact that if we wash the hands in the way of the words, doing it in our heart, because the words, Hebrews 4.12, always knows what the intent of the heart and our soul is. So when we do this, we wash our hands and we go in before the Father, then what? We're going to receive knowledge. In the morning when I wake up, this is something that Jewish people are taught, and it's really a good thing. And that is this. You, when you get up, you wash your hands. You wash your hands first. Some people say you got to have it. You can't walk six feet and the rest of this. I, I say just wash your hands. Why? Because the Lord makes his word known in the morning. If you want to wash your hands before you go to bed, because he pours out his instruction on you in the and washing your hands then is like saying to the Lord, I want to know the way, Lord, to begin to understand this knowledge. The words wash me clean, the words, dear Lord, you said, the water of the word will wash me clean. I want to be in the rapture. I want to be washed clean. I want to be able to do the righteous acts of the saints, which is the sacrifice you're looking for us to do in Psalms 50 and 4, so that we will be ready for the rapture that should be, I believe, in the midst of the morning. And we are in the last of the night right now in the years of the day of the Lord. So this is simple things of washing the hand. Because why? You're entering the Holy of Holies. Eating bread, wash your hands before you eat the bread, the showbread, and it's symbolic of that. Bread is instruction. There's simple ways to do the words of God that will begin to show the Lord your true desire to learn the knowledge. He will not reject it. He said, all those who knock shall receive. All those that come before him will not be turned away if they're coming for the purpose of the words and not like the rabbis of his time that came as scoffers. They, he led them in to hear, but they didn't hear because the words are not lawful for the men of the world to enter. And the spirit of truth is not allowed by the law of God in John fourteen fifteen to 17 to enter those who have not since set apart from the world. Until you say to God, I want to be set apart from the world, I need to be taught how. And Lord, I need to do it by what you instructed me in John seventeen seventeen, which says that we must be what? We must hear the words of God that sanctifies us. What sanctifies us? It means that we are able to enter the Holy of Holies and receive the words. Because when we see Joel two twelve to 20, which tells us that we must be sanctified, which means learn the words, be set apart as holy by those, and then do what? Then gather the people, have a sacred assembly, a holy assembly, a clean assembly, and do what? 
gather together and have the preachers come off the porches, which is off the pulpits, and kneel down before the people and cry out to the Lord for him to save his people because they have not been taught the knowledge of truth. They have not been taught his words. But before you do that, the great thing is wash hands. I don't think there's not too much washing of hands that would be harmful. Because everything we do, we want to do in a way of the words. And when we do it, not as a tradition, not as a habit, but as a way of asking the Lord to help us. You know, we're communicating to the Lord, and water is one of his words. He told us we had to be born again. Born again means being set apart from the world, set apart with holy hands. He tells us in Deuteronomy 6, 4, 9, that in that law, which is a law, it's for the law of the daughters, it's for the law of the mothers. There's laws of us that Deuteronomy 6, 1, 9 says, and for example, there's laws of uh, the the selling of a daughter, for example. And I'll go into that another night because that's very confusing people to understand what that means. But just as laws, he calls the law of the daughters. See, when you bring somebody in your house, there's one summarizing law. And that law is that we must teach the law of knowledge, which is provided for us in Isaiah 28, 9 to 13. But the guidance of it is in uh, Deuteronomy uh, 6, uh, 4 to 9, really. Okay, let's read, I mean, 1 to 9. It says, now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded us to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all the statutes and his commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson and all the days of your life that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, here, I mean, remember he said words is spirit and life. He will add years to your life if you obey to teach to teach, to teach the knowledge of his words in your house every evening, knowing and teaching also the way that in the morning he makes his words known. In the nighttime, he seals it. Otherwise, he makes sure you have it so that you'll begin to understand. But we have to begin walking. Why ask in the evening and, you know, go about the way of the devil in the day? You have to walk, uh, ask, and then you have to rise up. And the Lord tells us the dawn, like a deer of the dawn, the dew is on the grass, which is us, our unknowledgeable ones, ourselves. And he'll cause us to have that water that will be turned into food. Remember the manna? Like that. Okay, it says, therefore, hear, um, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you. And this word well in used here is a word meaning to be pleasing. And sometimes the Lord, as I said last night, uses the word shalom. We use this word shalom, peace. But this is like that because it's saying pleasing. What is pleasing? To have joy. In other words, to get to eternal life. That's what he's discussing here. But not only that. It's to pass through all your judgments. 
so you have eternal life and pass through the judgments if you will hear the voice of the Lord and believe in the promises of the Father that they enable, that were prepared for us from the foundations of the world, before the foundations of the world, as Jesus says. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may melt may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. But did you catch that, multiply greatly? It means that you'll be able to bring forth the things of the earth in multiply. Isaac would bring in forth crops that were a hundredfold more than anybody else. We will have this. We're not looking for the prosperity in the way of the world like our prosperity preachers preach us. It's an abomination. This is doing the way of the good works that are already put into the earth, already prepared by God to bring forth for his kingdom, to build his kingdom, which will glorify you because this kingdom's being built when he reigns over the earth, which means you will be part of that kingdom. You will be set aside with the righteous. That's very important. A land flowing with milk and honey. I'll talk a, another night about milk and uh, cooking of the milk with meat. It's, re- it's very important to understand that simple little thing. But it isn't what I believe what people understand. And we need to understand it because he tells us that he will not give his knowledge to those just weaned on milk. See, but honey is symbolic of the full measure of the spirit. So it's a land of milk, which is the beginning of knowledge, and it's a land of honey, which is the ending of knowledge or the fulfillment, beginning and the end, gives you all of it. That's what he put into the land, and we'll be able to multiply and bring those things forth. And he's going to set us apart in the likeness of a Garden of Eden, which is what he's saying is a greatness. We'll be able to fulfill these things and understand that everything that we need will be brought up for us as we've shown in these two miracles of Elisha tonight. It says in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. One, meaning only God is one, and the Lord is him. In other words, God is given the full measure of all things to the Lord. So he's walking with the ownership, the authorship, and the copyright of all things. So he's saying he's one. He has authority. He can bless you. He will not lie to you. He will enable you if you believe. Because it tells us in Ecclesiastes 12, 11, that the goads, in other words, the prodding of the Lord, the spirit working on us, is the words of the one shepherd. The spirit of the Lord and all the archangels and all the angels always the good angels, always do all things in the ways of the world. They walk thinking and trying to do things with the way of the words. That's how we're to walk in this day. And he tells us this. He said, they're one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Do we do that? No. We rely on the power of the equipment and then everything else we got in the world, the laws of the nations. When God has said at this day, come out from all that because they've lost the right of rule. The constitutions are no good. Nothing is of God at this time, only the kingdom and his law of that is now. And we're to come out from all that other 
and then you'll be able to have these blessings of God, and he will show you the real law of science is that his words have power over everything, every particle. He can multiply bread. He can multiply, you know, he can make trees grow up overnight. He can make anything do. He took a dead almond branch uh, staff of Aaron, and what did he do? He he grew over one night, he grew almonds, buds, flowers, and fruit, all. So there was no lacking. God can do that, and with the words, you have authority. They did that in the way of the words. They laid it in the Holy of Holies, which is indicating what will happen to us at this time if we obey him, wash our hands, and come into the Holy of Holies and get that instruction. There you go. It said, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. If we're not having the desire in our heart being these words, knowing that the king of kings is about to reign over the earth for seven years, and we don't want to know his language, know his words, know his promises, and know how to communicate to him in the pure language of the kingdom of heaven that's higher than ours, then we're failing. We're not going to be of that kingdom because we think we got the spirit. We got everything. We haven't read Revelation three fourteen to 22, which says they think they're wise, think they're filled with the spirit, but they're naked, blind, and dumb. Dumb. The Lord says dumb. The knowledge of the world, the science of the world is dumb. It has no power compared to the words of God. He tells you in Ecclesiastes 8, 4, that the power of the king is in his words. Nobody can change his kings, and he's coming to be king at this time. It's very important for us to believe that. He said, and these words, God's words, which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, which is including school, including courts. Our court system is based upon a, a pagan divine law established in places that filled with oblist and pagan statues and gods to the evil ones. So it's not the way, but we walk by his way, way of truth. Then when you, and when you lie down, in other words, and when you rise up, like I told you, wash your hands right away, because why? You want to receive that holy word that he's going to give to you. Washing your hands saying, Lord, I'm ready to go in your temple. Start pouring out. Well, I would be a little bit more humble <laughs> to the Lord than that. It says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. See, your hand has a fingerprint that is close to you, and God has given you your particular work to do. And don't be seeking that with all zealousness on against the basic. I mean, get the foundation first. Then he'll give you that work and put you out there. But people don't want to get the base, basics first and be set apart and have the communication with the Father going with them first. Then he'll tell you and send you out. What did he do with the Lord? He said that he grew in favor with the Lord. In other words, it's a process step. And he says, um, let me go on here. It says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets to your eyes. You want to desire that all things you see, 
The lamp of the body is the eyes. All things that your eyes shine upon, you want to look at it to spread the word of God on it for both producing fruit and understanding to you as doing good for others. And says you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That's why you have it stand in the doorposts of your house. Not just the front door. You can do them on all your doors. The ones you go in and out of to do works particular to God's kingdom are especially good. And the gates is the place where they taught. They taught the law. They taught uh, teachings. We need to understand these things. Most of the teachings done in houses, but when you're doing big teachings for the people, they would speak at the gates or speak by the pillars. But the gates are critical for judgment at this time. And it tells us if we raise our children up, they will go stand in the gates of the enemies and make known the words. Let's look at Isaiah 28, 9, and I'm going to stop for tonight. It says here, whom will he teach knowledge and whom will he make to understand his message? His message, meaning you can discern the words of God from the words that he's speaking. You understand his speech then. That's what he's talking about in John eight forty three to 47. Luke 24, 44 to 45 with the disciples because he couldn't get them to understand until after the cross. And then he was able to pour the spirit upon them because he had paid the price. And then the spirit worked on them and he was able to explain the scriptures and call, I mean, the words and cause them to understand the scriptures because the scriptures only have the key of David is the words of God. They unlock the scriptures and you begin to understand it in the way of the kingdom of heaven, how it's known there and the greatness of it. He says, uh, and whom will he make to understand this message? Those just weaned on milk? Those just drawn from the beast's breasts? For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. For with stammering hips, lips, repeating lips, repeating the words over and over, and another tongue, a pure language of the kingdom of heaven, speaking them in the way that they're known in heaven. He says he will speak to this people. Jesus came speaking the words of God, and they couldn't understand his speech because they couldn't discern his words. John eight forty three to 47. To whom, he said, this is the rest which you may cause the weary to rest. He told the disciple, this is the refreshing. This is the knowledge of the words that unlocks the full measure of the full four spirits. I mean, seven spirits, because you do them in the way of the spirits, the way of his rules. Yet they would not hear. And that's where we are today with the church. They rejected the knowledge like the rabbis in Jesus' time. And they're not ready for their king to come, just like they were not ready for him to come. But the word of the Lord was to them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they might go and fall backwards and be broken and snared and caught. And the Lord told us that at this time, Luke 21, 34, 36, all the people in the world on earth are caught in the snare because he's telling us we did not hear his words. If we hear his words, we will have eternal free uh, life and pass through these judgments. In other words, we'll be let free. 
I remember Jesus only was on the earth for his ministry for three and a half years, and we are here at this time to be refined and give glory to God. That's why I think the first three and a half years of the morning is that time for us. And that's why Psalms 50 and 4 and other scriptures point to a mid-morning rapture of the day of the Lord. Well, I hope that you will hear it as um, Moses goes on here and he says that they might go and fall back and be broken and snared and caught. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men who rule this people who are in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is all those of the um, foundation of peace. Foundation of peace. See, these people weren't even in, I mean, they were of Jerusalem at this time. This is Isaiah speaking, I'm sorry. But it it's talking about all the people at this time. The new city of Jerusalem will include all those who are of his kingdom. As he says in Matthew 21, 43 to 44, it's not just Jerusalem that he's coming for, or Israel. He's coming to give raise a nation up to him of people who set themselves apart from the, the world. That's his kingdom of light. Light comes by the entrance of his words. So that's what he's trying to do at this time. He said, because you have said, we have made a covenant with death and with Shoal, and we are in agreement. When the overflowing scourge passes through, it will not come upon us, for we have made our lies our refuge, and under falsehood we have hidden ourselves. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, which is the word of God. A stone is all symbolic of the word. Jesus came as the word. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Also, I will make justice the measuring line, the righteous, the plummet. In other words, you're not going to be able to walk and keep balance if you don't walk in righteousness. The hail, remember I told you about the correction of the ice and the fire? It says it will sweep away the refuge of lies and the waters will overflow the hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled. And your vision with Shoal will not rise up. As often as it passes, it shall take you. For morning by morning, it shall pass. And day by day and by night, it shall only be a terror just to understand the report. Because the plagues are so bad that are coming. I've tried to explain them. They're very clear in uh, Zechariah 14.21 in one simple verse. Uh, 14.12, I'm sorry, not 21. Well, I pray that this has been some helpful to you. And I would love to go on and explain more of um, Isaiah 28, but we just don't have time tonight. Uh, We'll come back and talk about some more of Elisha's miracles. And we'll try to talk about some of these laws as well that are kind of interesting to do, but it helps us to understand how to begin to be doers of the words. Just remember the promise in Proverbs 1, 20 to 33. And that says that if we will hear the spirit of wisdom calling us out, that there are words. And if we will turn away from our naivety, our simplicity, and receive these words, then he says that he will pour out his spirit and cause us to know these words. And he tells us in Daniel 12, 2 to 4, that at this time, when Michael has cast down his stone, we're going to begin to shine. That's going to happen in this time of refinement that the Lord is bringing, the time of the flower. 
But we can begin to do these words in simple ways. Start with the simplicity and then grow. But, you know, understand that the words are not milk. They're marvelous. They enable all the things that God does. And they're done in the way of his words, in the way of his spirits. And it's a simple knowledge when we begin to think that way. But we cannot make our eyes see in the way of a frontlet of the words, words as frontlets to our eyes, until we begin to understand that the ways of the seven spirits and that there are words and there are promises of God that they unlock and that the words and the pure language is only useful for doing the work of the kingdom of God. It will not do evil. If it does evil, we're not going to be of the kingdom and he'll take away the authority of his words. We will not be able to speak them or enable good. An evil will come upon us, especially for what we've done of hearing the words and turning away. Do not turn back from the right path. Lord, we thank you for the greatness of your message and of your words. And dear Lord, in these times, because you're going to be greatly glorified as the people begin to believe on you and begin to hear. We praise your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.